Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing great. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. We have a special episode today as we continue to to share uh, some of the great uh, content that we had at Man Up Charlotte. And and so we did this conference in June, and it was just an incredible morning, and God moved in in so many different ways. And and we had just such powerful uh, speakers, and and so I wanted to, to share these with you. Uh, as a as an unpacking it podcast listener, and so today uh, we're going to hear from Brian Goins, and so he was a keynote speaker at Man Up Charlotte, and he has been a part of unpacking it uh, really since the beginning. He, he ended up moving away from Charlotte down to Arkansas uh, for for a job opportunity, but I have done a a radio show with him. He's been on the podcast. Uh, he was on the board of directors at Unpacking It, and and has been a just a, a mentor and encourager over the years, and and so now he works with Family Life, and so he's the senior director of strategy uh, at Family Life, and and so he he gives leadership to the the weekend to remember the the marriage conference that they do, and and so he he also. Uh, has been involved with with other great ministry work. He, he was the the, the co creator and executive producer uh, of Brain World, a docu series for adolescents on the scientific side effects of pornography. And he's also the author of Playing Hurt: A Guy's Strategy for a Winning Marriage, uh, which you can find on Amazon. And so, basically, he's got a great pulse of marriage, family, men. Sports fans, he's a big UNC fan, um, Dallas Cowboys fan, and and so uh, so I think you'll really appreciate what he has to share today, the perspective that he has, the, the ways that that he's grown and experienced a lot in his life of, of ministry. He was a pastor uh, at one point as well, um, so continues to speak, and and so uh, you will be you'll laugh a little. Uh, he's a funny guy. He's great. And and you'll be challenged in a lot of ways too. And he says it like it is. He's the real deal. Um, and, and just, uh, yeah, straight shooter and, and just a fun, fun, funny guy. So let's jump in. It's Brian Goins here on the Unpacking It podcast. And before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? We'll go to healthmarketgenius.com. That's healthmarketgenius.com. Dot com. Know your options. Support them as they support us. Here we go. Brian Goins on the Unpacking It podcast. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. I am thrilled right now to welcome on one of my good friends. So he used to live in Charlotte. He helped me start unpacking it. 
He's, he's been involved with so many different ministry initiatives. He's a former pastor. He now has a, a fancy title. Let me, let me read it. The Senior Director of Strategy for Family Life. So he moved to Little Rock. He's got an awesome family, a wonderful wife and three kids. And his name is Brian Goins. Let's give it up. Here's Brian Goins. All right. Thanks, Bryce. Appreciate that. I do not deserve, like many introductions, we just don't deserve them. But he should be introduced to me as this Brian Goins. He's got a short fuse with his kids. Uh, he often struggles with insecurity, and he deals with lust on a regular basis. That's who I really am. So that intro doesn't really sell much, and you're like, well, why would I listen to this guy? Well, I hope, I hope that what I have to say is from the Lord, and that you're able to enjoy this, and it might propel you into where you're going after this event. But hadn't it been a good time this morning? Have you enjoyed it? Well, it is good to be back here in Charlotte, and uh, I was here for 12 years, helped start a couple churches. My kids, my three kids spent most of their formative years here in Charlotte. Uh, my parents still live here. It's great to have my dad here, and so it's, it's fun to be back in Charlotte. And every place that you go to, there's a certain style of manliness that gets promoted. Have you noticed that? Like in Charlotte, this is, I saw this image in Charlotte. I think we've got an image right here. That, that right there, that's a certain style of manliness. That is not a sweater. That is his actual hair. And you want to talk about a lady that stands by her man? Right there. I'm very impressed. Righteous. I, I mean, there's a different kind of water skiing that I found here in Charlotte. They call it redneck water skiing. I think we got a picture of that too. Uh, I guarantee you, right before this guy started doing this thing, somebody said, hold my beer, watch this. There, there, doesn't that look like fun? Let's get out there and do that. That's crazy. You know, this, when, I, when I heard that, I get, get to come to the Man Up conference, and I think about that, that phrase, Man Up. Man Up, is we kind of use that like WD-40. We spray it on every situation. Have you noticed that? It's like beer companies use Man Up when they want you to drink their beer. Churches use Man Up when they want you to you know, sign up for children's ministry, tithe more, and become part of a small group. It's like, just Man Up. Your wife is using man up when she wants you to do something, like the dishes. You need to man up and, and load that dishwasher. Friends use it when they want you to date somebody way outside your league that you know you don't have a chance with or do some of the most stupid, stupid stuff that you've ever done. And, and if you look back at your life, the, some of the dumbest, most embarrassing things you've done has been because some dude said you need to man up. And so you think about that phrase, man up, what does it mean? What's the core essence of manning up? And that's what I want to talk about. And that's what I want to charge us with this morning. And so Paul said in 1 Corinthians, first, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, I think I got the verse up here. You guys can read it. It says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Act like men. I think in the Greek, it means man up. But he doesn't give us much more than that. Like, what does it mean to be a man? And when we see the first instance of man, it's in Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bibles or your, if you have your uh, devices, go ahead and turn and, and open up to Genesis 1. Because I want you to see this in the text. We're going to look at a few uh, verses. But we know that in Genesis, God created man in what? In his image. He wanted man to reflect the characters and the qualities of God. And what do we know about God in Genesis 1? Well, here's what we know about God in Genesis 1. Look at the first few verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know he's a creator. The earth was without form and void. And what's interesting about that word, without form and void, in the Hebrew, it actually is tovu nevohu, which means it is, it is, it is formless, it is void, it, it's full of chaos, it wasn't that there was nothing there. In fact, many scholars believe that, that, that it could have been that what was represented by that is that there was a devastation that was there, maybe from the spiritual battle that had happened. 
So it might have looked like this. I think we got a picture here. It might have, when we think about this chaos, formless and void, it might have just looked like a wasteland that God is coming into. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the first chapter of Genesis, we see that God is standing over this chaotic mess, this devastation of a land. And we see that, um, in fact, I like the image of the Spirit of God hovering over that. It's almost like the Trinity is there. You know, you've got God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like hovering over this darkness. And he's looking back at God going, put me in. Put me in, coach. I want to go there and create something amazing. I want to go there and create beauty out of nothing. I want to go there and create order where there is chaos. So when we think about the first instance of man, that God, that God created man in his own image, uh, we see that the image of God that we know of in Genesis 1 is God moves into chaos and he creates something amazing. And I wonder if that's who the, that, that, when you get the core of man up and the essence of who we are as men, I wonder if that explains so much of who we are. You think about this. This is one of my favorite pictures of what manhood looks like. Look at this picture. That is men moving into chaos and creating something amazing. Love that picture. Some of you are mechanics out there. Some of you are carpenters out there. Some of you are people that like to work with your hands and fix stuff. Maybe, maybe another picture of, of men being in chaos and creating order. Come on in, guys. I know you guys were part of a great forum. We had an awesome forum called Good Sex. I like that we leveled the expectations. We didn't go ahead and call it great sex. We knew that none of us were experts on that. We're like, we're just trying to get to good, man. If we can just get to good, we'll be all right. So somebody needs to have that. Next year, we'll have good to great sex. That'll be the next form that we bring on. And we'll bring in some people that are more qualified. But we had a great group. That was awesome. But you think about as men, and guys, as you're coming in, I'm talking about how the definition, the essence of manhood that we see in Genesis 1 is that God moves into order. God moves into chaos and creates order. And that's what a lot of us as men are defined by. I I think I coach five-year-old soccer. Anybody coach, you talk about a chaotic scene is five-year-old soccer where you've got a group that those groups of kids up around and you know, they're looking at, and you got to ask them one central important question. What's the question you got to ask them right before the beginning of the game? Yeah. Do you have to use the bathroom? That's definitely one. What goal are we going at? And they, they all point in different directions and they will always score on their own goal. That's a chaotic mess. And as men, we're called to step into that. Or this is the exact reason why when you're home with your wife at night and she's come home from work and you're home from work and she's talking about her day and all of her problems, what's your natural instinct? Fix it. She didn't want you to fix it, but that's coming from the essence of who we are as men. Or this is the reason why so many guys love to spend time with their squad killing zombies. All video games are, are putting you in a chaotic world and you conquering it. That's who we are as men. It's that image of God embedded in us that drives us to bring order to what's broken. This is why we, as men, should be standing up for injustice. This is why we should celebrate Juneteenth as men, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Asian, whatever your race might be, that we should be about standing up for justice and freedom. This is why we should be giving a a voice to those that have no voices, that when we see the lives of the unborn being taken, that we as men should stand up and step into that chaos. It's the image of God that drives us to close the deal if you're a businessman. It's that image of God that drives us to scale new heights to create skyscrapers and be in places of danger or to scale mountaintops 
Somebody once asked, I think uh, they asked the first person that saw Mount Everest and wanted to climb Mount Everest, like, why do you want to go up on top of that mountain? Which I think is a great question because I don't have a drive right now to do that. But they asked the guy, like, why do you want to go up and, and climb and scale that mountain? He said, because it's there. I want to conquer the chaos. It's what drives us to rush into certain death when freedom is on the line. And we send men into hails of gunfire. And I see some military men that are here that stand up for our freedoms that are willing to say, I'll put my life on the line. That's the essence of being a man. Or men and women that charge up burning buildings with 50 pounds on their back as men and and women are fleeing the scene. Why? Because we are made to move into chaos and create order. When it looks like being a man, that's what it looks like being a man. When I think about the essence of manhood, I see it from Genesis 1, that you and I were moved and created to move into chaos and to bring peace, to bring beauty, to bring order, to, to bring majesty. We were made to move in the messiness of this world and clean house. And yet, have you noticed as a dude, as a guy, that I find it easy to pick and choose what chaos I want to be a part of? Have you noticed that? I'm intrigued by the chaos of sports, of business, of the battlefield. I'm intrigued by all of that. I'm excited about it. I love stories about that, of, of things that are chaotic. And I can see great men of valor conquering in all those different endeavors. But you put me in a, in a chaos of a relationship, I want to find the bench. You know how far it is from Atlanta to Charlotte? Three hours and 23 minutes. The reason why I know this is because my wife and I were down there looking at a job and we had two totally different views. We had some moments of intense fellowship that weekend and we got into our van with our kids in the back and the only words that I said to my wife in those three hours and 23 minutes were, what do you think your kids want for dinner tonight? You know what was in that van with us besides the kids? Chaos. Have you felt that with your wife? If you're married or your girlfriend? Have you felt, I see that hand. You've been in that house where there's chaos. Or maybe with your parents, where any kind of a relationship chaos, there's, there's just something, a funky tension that's happening. And the whole while that I'm going up there, I'm feeling the Lord nudge on my heart, hey, I need you in that chaos. And you know what I'm doing? I'm giving him the Heisman. I don't want to go in that chaos. I don't feel confident in that chaos. I don't feel comp. See, as men, when we're confident and we're competent, we're willing to move into chaos. But the minute we feel insecure, the minute we feel less confident, the minute we feel less competent... Man, I'm, I'm ready to bow out. I'm ready to find the bench. When my kids don't give me the respect that I believe they should be giving me, I'll lash out in anger, but I really don't want to mend fences. When my budget is in chaos, that's the last time, that's the last, the last thing I want to do is look at my bank account or make a tough decision. For years, I was, as a pastor here in Charlotte, I would get up and preach on Sunday and I would go through what I called PMS on Monday post-ministry syndrome. And I would just feel depleted. I'd feel, um, I'd feel like I just got to perform again next Sunday. And it led me to some severe battles of depression. There's chaos in my heart. And I didn't want to deal with it. And I know in a room this size, there's men that know what I'm talking about, that it, whether it's relational chaos, whether it's chaos with your spouse, with your friend, with your parents, with, with your kids, or maybe it's chaos that you would say it's in your heart, that there's an anger that you haven't been able to figure out why it's there. Maybe it's an addiction that you keep running to, but there is a chaos that we sit and we go, I just don't know how to deal with it. I don't feel confident. I don't feel competent. So I'm just going to sit on the bench. 
Why? Why do we shrink back when we should step up as guys? Well, if you look at Genesis 3, um, you see in Genesis 3, 1, that God had made this perfect, beautiful world, this great garden. And then we see in Genesis 3, 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And we see this serpent slither into chaos. You ever wonder about that? Like, why did God allow, you think about a chaotic being, it was Satan. He creates chaos everywhere he goes. And so why would God allow Satan to enter a place of perfection? Did you ever think about that? Was it because it, like, God was up in heaven and was like, hey, where, where is Satan? Did somebody let him out of his cage? He was just there just a minute ago. We know from the book of Job that Satan can't go anywhere without God's permission. So no, the reason why I think that he let chaos slither into the garden is because we're made in the image of God and he wanted to see what we would do. Will they step up? What will Adam do and what happens? Well, you guys know the story, right? The serpent allows the slithering tongue to spin lies about God's word and God, what God has said. And we see that Adam and Eve, you know, Eve says, here's, here's a bite of fruit. And they start believing that, hey, if I bite into this fruit, it's going to satisfy me more than God. And so what, is, what, is, what does Adam do? Does he, we notice that in the scripture, he's right there. And there's the most damning preposition in all of the Bible that Adam was right there with Eve. He was with her. And he did nothing. And guys, when things go south in the world, when things go south in my relationship with my wife or my girlfriend, or not my girlfriend, but if you have a girlfriend, (laughs) is this being recorded? And don't show this to my wife. When things go south with my kids, if you roll tape, you'll see that I'm just standing there, letting the chaos slither about my home. God wants us to step up, and, and yet we, we step back. And I'm wondering this morning, my question for all of us as men is what's the chaos God calling you into right now? We all have it. We're gonna live in a world that always has it. What's the chaos that God is calling you into? Maybe it's, maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's of the heart. Um, there's, a couple different, there's a couple different categories that I've got here. Maybe it's spiritually. Where are you with God right now? That there's just a chaos of unbelief, uncertainty, and rather than actually deal with that and ask honest questions and dive into scripture, you know, we all want to be spiritually deep, but very few of us want to dig. Am I going to take time to dig and get into the word and get other people around me to help me understand it and understand who this God is and the fact that there's this God of the universe and he's not distant, he actually wrote to us. Maybe some of us, it's personally, what are the dark areas of my heart that I just haven't dealt with? The anger, the addiction, the depression. Someone wants to find depression as anger turned inward. And for so many years, I didn't want to deal with the anger that was in my heart. I just let it grow, the chaos that was there. Relationally, who am I avoiding right now? Culturally, maybe it's a mission. Maybe it's this whole thing with fatherlessness that you see that video and you're, you're compelled for a moment, but will you actually take that step into that chaos and do something about it? I don't know that I'm confident enough. I don't know that I'm competent enough and I'm feeling insecure and God's going, okay, that's, that's what I want you to step into that. See, the gospel reminds us we have a hope to move into areas where if left to our own instincts, we would shrink back. And those are the areas that God wants us to step up. The very areas that you shrink back from, whatever it might be, are the areas that God actually wants to prove the gospel to you. He wants to come in and say, I want you actually to follow me into that chaos. You don't have to do it on your own. In fact, I want to give you three reminders here that if you want to, if you want to man up, okay, three reminders as we go into the chaos and, and that I hope as we leave this room that we walk out of here with hope. 
First, if you want to man up, follow the man. It's not about, you're not the man. I'm not the man. Jesus didn't say that we had to be a perfect man. He said, follow the perfect man. And some of us have fallen down as men, haven't we? Man, we've messed up. We, we, we've gone, and many of us are going with the chaos you're, you're, you're talking about, Brian. I don't want to go into it because I've fallen down so many times. The Bible says that the righteous man falls down seven times and gets back up. Did you know that 50% of all tackles in the NFL are made by guys that have fallen down? They just put another hand up. And so if that's you this morning, it's not about being the perfect man. It's about following the perfect man. Jesus never said, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He never said, you have what it takes. He said, I will be with you always. In fact, if anything, the gospel is a a constant reminder about the fact that God actually wants to do more in us than we could ever do in ourselves. And that when you're feeling insecure, when you're feeling incompetent, when you're feeling a lack of confidence, for years I would spend time praying to God. I would say things like, God, if you could just take this away from me, I would be a better servant for you. If you would just let, like, take away this depression, imagine what I could do for you. And God changed my prayer. He said, I'm not taking it away. I'm taking you through. Like the psalmist that said, lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice that it's not a cul-de-sac. That your valley, your chaos that you're in right now, it is a spot on your map. It's not your whole journey. And so my prayer needs to be, help me through the valley of the shadow of death. Help me fear no evil. Help me see that you're with me. Help me understand how your rod and your staff can comfort me. I don't know what you feel like is your track record as a guy, but I wonder if one of the main reasons why we haven't moved into that chaos is that we think that we have to be the man rather than just follow the man. Secondly, if you want to man up, don't lean on your own manliness. My manliness got me to um, insecurity, depression, pornography, addiction, stuffing my real feelings with my wife. That's my manliness. How about yours? Jesus, when, when he's talking to his disciples up in his upper room, he's got a small group of guys. Maybe they started on the, un, you know, like the pack, the unpacking it pack. That was the first pack that was out there. And he got his disciples in his room. He's about to, in the upper room, he's about to die on the cross the next day. And he says, listen, I'm gonna go away, but I'm sending a helper for you. I'm sending a spirit that you could, to help you be like me. And the spirit, the Holy Spirit is not just somebody that is pointing out all the errors in our life. He actually wants to help us do what we can't do. He's helping us be like Christ. He's helping us move into chaos. It's the same spirit that was hovering over the tovu nuvohu and saying, put me in. And so whatever chaos you're feeling or that you're fighting, that you're going towards, the Holy Spirit's going, put me in, coach. The whole time I'm in that three hours and 23 minutes, I knew exactly what to do. I heard the verses, don't let the anger, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let any corrupt words come out of your mouth. And listen, I'm a stuffer. I just don't let any words come out of my mouth. But guess what? That's corrupting language. Because what am I doing to my wife? I'm treating her like she doesn't exist. And so just because you stuff it doesn't mean that you're any better than a shouter. And the Spirit's going, would you just, would you just open your mouth? And I'm giving him the Heisman. Uh, I don't know if you had a guy that you wanted to be like when you were growing up. I know for me, I had a poster on my wall of the athlete I was convinced I was gonna be like. Kind of like Mitch, how he wanted to be the athlete, that he, the, the quarterback that he wanted to be like. Well, I had an athlete. I grew up loving Carolina basketball, of course. Who, why would you love anything else in Tobacco Road? And so I, and, and as a child of the 80s, of course, my picture was Michael Jordan. Come on, guys. I wanted to be, and there was, there was that phrase right underneath that poster, be like Mike, and I did everything I could to be like Mike. 
I mimicked all of his moves. I watched all of his game film. I bit down on my tongue like 15 times as a kid because Michael would always put his tongue out while he's going up for a dunk. And he, I could dunk a tennis ball, but I couldn't dunk a basketball. And then finally, one day, in all of Mike's graciousness and goodness, said, I'm gonna help you be like me. All you have to do is wear these sneakers. Anybody get the Air Jordans growing up as a kid? Yeah, I had to five lawns to buy those sneakers. And I finally laced them up. And I remember I had never dunked a basketball until that day when I laced up those Air Jordans and I came down and I finally dunked the ball. And man, it felt good. I'm like, I'm just like Mike. Except that Mike also does a 360 and dunks it. Like, all right, so I come down and I remember just bouncing that ball, 360, bam! I'm like, I'm just like Mike. But Mike also dunks it from the foul line. Remember that slam dunk competition? So I took off, tongue out, And I slammed it. And man, it felt good. Now, all three of those were on my Nerf hoop down in my room. Do you guys remember the Nerf hoop? Because you know as well as I do, this white guy definitely couldn't jump. And those Air Jordans didn't add a millimeter to my vertical. Because see, Michael didn't know my name. He didn't know my game. He knew nothing about me. And those shoes didn't help me a lick. But see, Jesus knows my name. He knows your name. And he knows where you feel insecure. He knows where you feel incompetent. And he's like, listen, I'm gonna send you the spirit. My spirit that created the world is gonna come into your heart. What he's saying there is you've got the shoes that actually work. Will you lace them up? And my problem in life, guys, isn't that I'm stupid. I'm just stubborn. And I don't actually wanna believe and take Jesus at his word that when I'm in that van ride, and and that van ride happens multiple times in my life. It wasn't just one ride. There's been many times with my wife or my kids or the chaos of depression or addiction that, that the spirit is going, Brian, would you just follow me? I'll give you the words to say. I'll help you take the right next step. I just need you to open up your mouth. Would you just follow me? My problem isn't that I'm stupid, I'm just stubborn. I'm missing out on the life that he wants to create in the midst of that chaos. And I wonder how many of us, it's not because we're, we're called to just be a better man. We're called to follow the man to actually to show how he could take our chaos and create beauty out of it. That the minute that I started speaking up my depression to others and I started talking about it and I sought help from a counselor and a medical doctor and, and I started actually opening my mouth and letting people know that I don't know what to do with this anger was my first step towards health. And I wonder if you're missing out on relational unity with your wife because you're just not willing to follow the spirit and lace up the shoes. We're not gonna actually attack that chaos by being better men. It's gonna be about following a better man and it's gonna be about letting go of our manliness. And then finally, it's about putting other men around us. You're gonna want, if you're gonna want a man up, you need other men in your life. And we've been talking about this all morning in all the forums, that we need other people in our life. There's an interesting thing about scripture. If you look through scripture, there's somebody that always follows the and in scripture. It was Peter and John. It was Jesus and the disciples. The first thing that Jesus did, the son of God came down to earth and said, the first thing he had to do is get a small group of guys around him. The God of the universe had a small group. Why don't you? If he had to have one for his journey, don't don't you think we need one? He's modeling that for us. It was Paul and Silas. 
or Barnabas. There's always, for the great things that happen in scripture, early on in David's life, it was David and Jonathan. But it's interesting, the reverse of that is true too. When you look in the scripture, when nobody follows the and after a man, bad things happen. It was Samson and no one. Later in David's life, it was David and no one. He was sitting up on the roof. His mighty men were off to battle and he let the chaos win. And chaos wins in my life when I don't have and guys in my life. And you think about the great adventures throughout life. There's always somebody that follows the and. It was Batman and Robin. It was Lewis and Clark. It was Michael Jordan and he didn't start winning championships until Scotty came on the scene. First guy that climbed Everest, it was Sir Edmund Hillary and nobody remembers the Sherpa. It's just sad. <laughs> Tenzig Norgay, he's the guy that actually carried all the weight for Hillary. Wouldn't have made it to the top if it wasn't for him. And we're not gonna make it to the top of this thing called life without somebody that follows the and in your life. And so if you don't have any and guys, I know for me, I'm not making it through life. Manhood is not a solo sport. And I heard Dan say in our, in our morning breakout that we had where he talked about that one of the keys to finding and guys in your life is does somebody else know the vulnerabilities of your own life? Are you willing to share vulnerability and are you willing to take time with other guys? That's really what it takes to get other guys in your life. So as we leave here today, guys, there's a, there, pick a chaos. Is it the chaos of fatherlessness? Is it the chaos of addiction that's in your life? Is it the chaos that's in your marriage right now or something with a prodigal son that you have in your life or a prodigal child? Whatever the chaos is, here's my challenge to you. Don't just let it simmer out there because there's the Holy Spirit in your life that's going, I'm ready to move, will you just trust me? And will you follow Jesus into the chaos and watch him create life and beauty in something amazing? Let's pray. Dear Father, um, Lord, how many times have I asked you to take away the chaos in my life that you have responded, I'm giving you that chaos so that you could actually get a picture of who I am. And we as men aren't defined by so much by the things that we've done wrong or messed up on as the things that we've trusted you for. And Lord, I, help, I pray that we as men, that we man up and show this world what it looks like to actually walk into chaos and create something amazing. I think about all the ministries that are represented here, the churches that are represented here, that they are standing as a light in a dark world, that they recognize the chaos that's all around us, and they're not blaming the chaos. They're not blaming sinners for sinning. They're saying, how do we move into that and bring life? How do we move into those kids that don't have fathers and bring a mentor? How do we move into marriages that are broken and restored and bring life? How do we move into, into uh, addiction and depression? And Father, you allowed chaos to come into perfection. We live in an imperfect world. How much more is there for us to move into? And so God, I pray that for, for all of us as men, that we would have the courage to not become better men and stand up against it, but that we follow a bigger man. We follow a more perfect man into it and watch you use our own insecurities and fears and doubts and incompetence, Lord, and just show us how you work. I pray for new life to happen. I pray for new marriages, new marriage to, to flourish. I pray the Lord for um, relationships to be healed. And I pray for the great injustices of our world for us as a church to stand up and move. It's in your name we pray, amen. 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 Give it up guys. for Brian. 
Incredible. Man, so for, for those that, that want to hear more from him in regards to marriage, he wrote a book called Plain Hurt. And I've read it. I recommend it. It's awesome. And, uh, and also the, the work that he's doing with family life. And he's, he's speaking around the, the country and, and helping marriages. And so it's a privilege to have him here today. The way that God brought him here uh, was pretty cool. So, so very, very thankful. I used to do a radio show with him. He's as funny as, as you got to hear today. So he, he, I love the jokes and just an awesome, awesome guy. And like I mentioned, he helped me start unpacking it. I don't even know if he realizes the role that he played in my life early on when we were trying to get things going. He kept me going. And, and so I, I appreciate. So uh, I'm very thankful that he was a part of it today and thankful for his friendship and mentorship uh, throughout my life. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.